sorry, I had to do it. Uh, I should have expected that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, welcome everyone to Make Your Own Damn Podcast. I am Lucas Mangum, and I'm with Mr. Jeff Burke. And How's it going? Good, good, good. Um, and uh, yeah, we are our podcast. Uh, in case you uh, haven't been paying attention, is um, where we look back on the wonderful, wacky movies of Troma Entertainment. And tonight we are talking about 1989's Luther the Geek. So, what's your experience with this movie? I remember the cover very vividly. Yeah, yeah, the cover is excellent. Like the, it, it looks kind of like a uh, like a circus freak show handbell advertising. The title character Luther the Geek. Um, yep. I, 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 I'll just get this out of the way. I think the uh, cover advertising this movie is like better than the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you are getting it out of the way, and uh, yeah, I would say so, man. Um, this one, uh, yeah, um, it's a hell of a cover, and the movie, um, it's got it's got some bright spots, and we'll get to that. But uh, you know, I was actually thinking while watching this movie that I was like, uh, I, we so everyone listening, Lucas and I have not talked at all yet about what we thought of this movie. We try not to really talk about what we think of these movies until we're recording. And while I was watching this, I was just like, oh, this is a Lucas movie. Um, <laughs> No, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? (laughs) It's an 80s sleazy kind of slasher grindhousey movie. And I'm like, like, if any one of the two of us is going to like this, it's going to be Lucas. It was... It was a roller coaster for me for that very reason. (laughs) Because there there were lots of moments where I was like, ah. And then other moments where I was like... Uh, and then ah again uh, you know it was just this i don't know those weren't really roller coaster sounds i don't know what those were but um yeah the movie was uh it had some stuff in it that i really enjoyed but i really did not like the way it was paced oh and this movie's only 80 minutes long <laughs> it like uh the um previously talked about surf nazis must die it feels a hell of a lot longer than 80 minutes <laughs> this was a long 80 minutes <laughs> when pre- prepped for this uh episode i watched the movie which i guess i had never seen before um for some reason i was thinking i had seen it but i think it may have been the case of i've only seen the trailer for it but okay. i definitely have not actually seen the full movie before this and so i watched the movie and i also uh watched it with uh, the director's commentary from uh, Carlton Albright. And so I watched this movie twice, and both times those were long 80 minutes. And I'd say the director is also about as entertaining as this movie is. So oh, no. Oh, take no. it what you will. Shots fired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, uh, watching it back, I did remember that I have seen the beginning. I, like, I've seen that opening scene where it's the, where it, the, uh, where it's actually at a um, uh, geek uh, Is it, attraction. Okay, we, 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 here, we need to hold off before we get into that, because I even dispute, okay. like, 
Because you have circus experience. Yes. So I was actually looking forward to this movie a lot because um, I actually have a lot of experience with circus and circus and sideshow. I have uh, worked with circuses. I have worked with sideshows. One of my absolute best friends um, is one of the more respected, well-known modern-day sideshow performers. I have brought sideshows like actual circus sideshows to like world horror and like so I'm really tied into the that scene. That was uh, that was one of the better weekends of my life. I have to. Oh, say. that was a great fucking weekend. <laughs> that was an awesome fucking weekend. Um, and uh, if all if, if if all else fails, just bring some clown strippers and uh, then then everything's good. And Lucas is not exaggerating when he says clown strippers. These are the types of people I hang out with. Everybody, these are <laughs> yeah. These are who this, my friends are. This was yeah. This wasn't like a thing he booked for the con. It was just like these are my friends. <laughs> and then they and, and when they I did book them for the convention, but they were okay. also legitimately my friends. <laughs> <laughs> these are the types of people I associate with. And we love you for it. So, uh, yeah. So, um, so, uh, so, uh... So I was really hoping that this was going to be, like, a circus sideshow-themed movie. And it's fucking not. Yeah. (sighs) So, yeah, so, um, from the perspective of the guy who hangs out with clown strippers, uh, the, uh, authenticity of the, um, opening scene is not, um, it's not really on point. So before we get into the the scene breakdown, I actually found a good point by point uh, write up of this movie. Believe it or not, oh, I good, found a more extensive Wikipedia plot. has like three sentences. <laughs> I actually found one of the more extensive plot breakdowns of like any movie we've covered on this show so far. And oh, for shit. all fucking movies, Luther the Geek. And <laughs> I found on the website, um, Spectrum Culture has a write up on. Luther the Geek, and they go literally throughout the, they go through every plot point of the movie. Um, so, um, I do have the description though pulled up on Troma.com, so I uh, yeah, start let's with that like, like we normally do. Okay. <laughs> A young country boy is plunged into the depths of homicidal madness after witnessing the strange exploits of a carnival geek, a caged drunk so desperate for whiskey that he bites the heads off live chickens in front of a freak show audience. 30 years later, Lucas, not Lucas, Luther. (laughs) I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) 30 years later, Luther is all grown up and out on parole after spending his childhood behind bars for a series of grisly murders. Armed with only a pair of razor-sharp metal dentures and only able to communicate through chicken clucks, Luther restarts his bloody rampage as he terrorizes the citizens of a small town and takes a young mother and her family hostage in their isolated farmhouse. Featuring one of the most intense endings ever put on film, I disagree, Luther the Geek (laughs) is good gory fun in the splatter flick tradition of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Toxic Avenger. I also disagree on that last line. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, I, I mean, I would almost argue that that's not really accurate about the movie because the whole geek <laughs> thing literally does not matter outside of the opening couple minutes. So, okay, should we get into these o- opening couple minutes? 
Yeah, let's let's hear it. Let's uh, let's talk what about it. What the fuck it. is going on? They're not at a sideshow. They're not at a circus. They're, they're in a barn. And they they we see this barn, and a mob comes around the corner with torches. It's like like an old Universal horror movie of like the mob going after Frankenstein. Yeah. And and the geek in question seems to be like imprisoned. Um, yeah. What I and like okay for anyone that's listening that may not know, uh, what a geek is is a geek is actually a real um, it's an old school circus sideshow term for essentially for someone who eats odd things. Um, it's like the most notorious is biting the head off a chicken. That is a thing that geeks did. That's not really done anymore because you know obvious animal cruelty issues. Yeah. But like like a if you've ever seen a performance of somebody like eating a light bulb. Or like eating things that aren't considered edible, that's a geek performance. And I, in fact, was talking about my sideshow friends. I had a person that was a geek, and oh, wow. uh, he ate weird stuff. And like he, uh, his big thing of eating was worms. Oh. He would go to yeah, which I, I got a really like gross story about eating worms. If you want to hear it. Yeah, let's uh it's relevant. So he has to refrigerate the worms. And the reason why he refrigerate them is it kind of like slows them down because he would keep mm. all the worms in like a container. And if they aren't refrigerated pro- properly and the worms are at like the normal, you know, room temperature that and they're all contained together in a jar, they start having essentially a worm orgy and they start producing all this froth, <laughs> which is essentially like worm cum. And so when you eat the worms, if you're going to eat the worm, you ideally don't want it covered in worm cum. This was all explained to me um, backstage at a show one night. Also, at a different Uh, event, I was tricked into eating a worm. When someone's like, how do you get tricked into it? Did it have worm cum on it? I don't believe so. Okay. So it's like, how do you get tricked into eating a worm? Well, when a sexy stripper clown comes up to you with a fork of cake in a dark bar, fork for of cake in a dark bar, bar, and is offering it to you eat it, you generally go along with it. But see, I learned my lesson. I now question everything that the clowns offer me because yeah. it turned out there was a worm <laughs> on that fork as well. And so, I don't I, know. I still I, gag a little bit thinking back on that I, memory. I am of the belief that if a sexy stripper clown comes up to you with something on a fork you eat whatever is on that fork <laughs> well, i mean that's that's what happened and that was my logic <laughs> at the moment but and that's how that's how jeff ended up eating a worm once oh man see i said that on the air and now like your friends are gonna feed me spiders or something <laughs> oh yeah they're, they hear this they're gonna come after you dude <laughs> oh man but, okay but back to so that's what a geek is and like i knew a geek and uh, now, like, okay, the biting the heads off chicken, that's real, real old-school circus sideshow yeah. stuff. That's real old-school shit. I do want to point out, uh, this This is a, a very uh, a very small throwback to an older episode of ours. Uh, in the Mother's Day episode, we read a Roger Ebert review of Mother's Day in which yeah. he described it as geek cinema at its, at its worst, 
which yes. I think he was referring to uh, the sideshow and not uh, oh. Star Wars fans. Oh, were we confused about that? Because you're right. you're probably right. Oh. That's probably what he was referencing. Oh no, we 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 did point it out. I just oh, did we to, figure it out? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I just wanted so the to term bring that up again. Up, has come up yeah. on this show before. All right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so so we open with. I guess it's geek performance, but I'm like, this isn't happening at a circus. This isn't happening at a freak show. It's uh, like a guy imprisoned. Yeah. And like, I truly did not understand what was like going on in that scene. I don't know if the fucking filmmaker knew what a sideshow or a freak show even looked like. <laughs> it was a little, uh, yeah, it was weird. It, was, it definitely didn't look like any circus I wanted to go to. It did not look fun. And so we have the we have a little boy which is watching, and he gets shoved by an older man, and he hits his mouth on. I forget what he hits his mouth on, and he gets his front teeth it's just knocked the out. The fence that the geek is okay. behind, yeah. And he knocks his front teeth out, which he then later apparently gets metal teeth, and he, I guess. What was so? It, it, it may sound like I'm like jumping around here, but it's because the movie has a time jump. Is its, its opening credits are a time jump. Yeah. From when this kid gets his teeth knocked out at this quote-unquote sideshow freak show performance, and then it jumps to when he's an adult, and that happens via the opening uh, credits. But before the opening credits, he samples a little bit of that sweet chicken blood. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. this is the origin story of Luther, who he—I guess he—I guess he went on a murder rampage as a kid. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's something I want to point out. So um, they wanted to show him sampling the chicken blood, but they didn't show the murderous rampage that was kind of the reason he was in prison to begin with for twenty years. Is like. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, oh no, no. According to the back, right up on trauma, it's thirty years. So, like, he had to have been a kid when he did the rampage. Yeah. So, unless there's an uncut version where you know he there's eats, not. and there's not, you know, where he uh, eats the chicken blood and then goes out and massacres all those people. I don't know. When did he do this? And, and what was the story behind it? And like, and why is he allowed to have metal teeth? Like, for like, Did he, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. They show him sharpening the metal teeth while he's imprisoned, which right. also lends first off, a why is he allowed to have his metal teeth in prison? B why is he allowed to sharpen his metal teeth in prison? And C. If he sharpened them in prison, how did he kill the people before? Or did yeah. he just – is this a new – I don't know. The movie really does not tell you about this – the original no. rampage he went on. The movie gives you, like, no information on what this character originally did to get him in prison for 30 years. Yeah. Um I do want to give a sidebar. This uh, This Spectrum Culture website looks pretty cool. Um, oh. Yeah, um, it looks like they uh, write about the cool shit. Um, oh, did you anyway. look up? Did, did you yeah, look up yeah. the write-up they have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have a full plot breakdown of practically every scene. 
So we'll be able to follow and, along and, here. And, and, and I do want to say the writer of this article, um, uh, I don't I don't see their name, uh, but they. Uh, oh, yeah. Dan Seeger. Yeah, Dan uh, Seeger. He confesses to watching this movie many times. But only once sober. But only once sober. I could actually see this being like a fun movie at like a party. Yeah, at a party or like at a film festival as like the late as a late night weirdo. Ah, uh, yeah. Like I could see this working into that circumstances while everyone's like in the same kind of headspace and been like drinking and smoking and having a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would still pick, if I was planning a film festival, I'd still pick a different fucking movie than this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um, okay, that's okay. We're we're having fun talking about it, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, are we? Are we? <laughs> are we? So, <laughs> so, so, we have... Uh, the, the, after the credits, the first real scene of the movie, which is... Uh, the parole board debating about whether or not to release him. Yes. Which I wanted to kind of point out that this movie, just from that scene alone, has kind of a conservative bent towards, like, the prison industrial complex. Because <laughs> yes. kind of have, like, the do-gooder liberal character wanting to be like, he paid his debt to society, blah, blah, blah. And everyone's else, he needs to be locked up. But he ends up getting released. And sure enough, he goes on another murderous rampage that's proving that he should have stayed locked up this whole time. And, I'm like, and if weirdly, there's to... nothing, I, you know, I don't want to jump ahead of it, but there's nothing that sets off the second murderous rampage. Not a damn thing. I wonder if this was, uh, I don't know, if, uh, our, what is the director's name, Carlton? Uh, Carlton Albright, who only else is credited that he was also the writer and producer on another trauma movie, The Children. Ah, yes, yes. Which uh, I'm sure, sir, at some point we'll be covering that. I'm sure we will. Um, I wonder if he uh, wasn't there a whole thing in the '88 elections about uh, prisoner holidays? No, uh, that hmm. you're referring to. Uh, you know what? Maybe that was the '88 elections because it was one presidential Bush election. Caucus. I think you're correct. Yes, yeah. with Willie Horton. Willie Horton. Um, yeah. Wow, I can't believe I pulled that name out. Willie Horton was a uh, uh, prisoner who was released in, uh, from prison on like yes, yes, it was the '88. Oh my God, that. So this was like in the news at the time. Yeah. At yeah. the time this movie was being made, this whole thing was in the news. So yeah, Willie Horton that was released, um, uh, and for I, I don't want to pull up all the uh, exact details right now, but there was a uh, more leniency in letting people out of prison, and people could even get out of prison for uh, short periods of time and then return mm-hmm. to prison to continue their sentence. And a man by the name of Willie Horton, during one of these um, like times out, uh, committed a murder, and this was one of the focal points of the uh, 88 presidential campaign. Wow. Yeah. Good, good pull there, Lucas. Good. Pull. Yeah. You know, I have, I have them every once in a while. <laughs> good job. Yeah. Dukakis and Bush. Yeah. And Bush made it a big, uh, a big, big issue. Yeah. Um, and there was a revolving door prisons was a popular, uh, like yeah. talking point phrase at that time period. And I still yeah. remember that even being talked about up into the, uh, 
like early 90s. I remember hearing that phrase mm-hmm. when I was young. So I wonder if this was like, you know, you know, if maybe he saw some of those uh, election uh, ad campaigns or something. <laughs> you know, the director of this film, I mean. Yeah, no, I I could totally see that being a little bit of an inspiration for this whole idea of him getting released from prison and when he shouldn't have. But uh, I did kind of get like a takeaway that like if there's any sort of message that this movie's trying to get across, it's kind of like when we lock up people, they need to stay locked up forever. Which, t- to be fair, there may not be a message. I mean, I don't Jeff think and I, there is. Yeah, like this, you know, this isn't. Uh... Yeah, we're n- this isn't film studies. This is a trauma podcast. <laughs> I don't really think there is, but I'm just like just using the language of film of like if this well, film is trying to say anything, and I don't think that was intended at all. Because for, also for one, the director in his commentary doesn't mention it in any also, way, shape, or form. Also, I I think it does go to show that uh, pacing and character motivations are important because. If we showed a reason for why he goes on this second rampage instead of him just going out and getting on the second rampage, then that accidental political subtext doesn't exist. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, no, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't because it would show that he was like there were circumstances outside of his control. Instead, they present that he is um, one of the characters does describe him as a model prisoner, and that's why they believe he should be uh, released. Um, and then as soon as he gets out, he like basically he's shows right that, at it. Yeah, he goes right at it. And also, like, I don't know how you can be a model prisoner um, and, like, be ready for release when you can only communicate via clucking like a chicken. <laughs> yeah, somehow I think that doesn't qualify. But I, hey, I, you know what? I, I'm not a I'm not a corrections officer, so you I don't know what I don't think somebody like that should be in prison. I think they should be like in a psychiatric ward. I think they need serious like professional yeah. psychological help. And I do agree that prison's probably not the best place for that. But I don't think releasing them out into the world is the best <laughs> <No>. idea. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So uh, in case you haven't figured it out, they do give Luther his freedom. Yes. And he heads to a grocery store where he... First thing he does is he goes to a grocery store. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he starts stealing eggs. He starts starts eating raw eggs in the the grocery store, in the aisle, just pulling out of the cartons. And I gotta give him credit, that was actually a really interesting way how he was eating the eggs, of how he would bite the top off, and then... He would like chug the. He would keep the shell almost wholly intact. Now, this is very obviously real eggs, and this actor is actually doing this. He is, and and uh, I will say this whole um, grocery store scene. Uh, I will say uh, is one of the scenes I enjoyed in this film. It it's fine. Um, I mean, yeah, you're probably right. It's probably a decent scene. I just feel like a little sound. Like, we'll get to it by the time the end. It's just like, I'm having, like, a hard time viewing the movie as individual scenes just because I felt like it never built up or amounted to anything. Right. Like, like, oh, there were some, like, interesting moments when I was first watching this movie. I'm like, okay, they're doing some interesting things, and then it just goes nowhere. No, I get that. I get that. Um, So, yeah, after. He gets chased out of the store after uh, the egg incident, and um, 
<laughs> then he uh, meets an elderly woman on a bench and uh, offers her an egg. May I offer you an egg in these trying times? Yes. That's all I could think of. Do you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Oh, yeah, but not not lately, no. I haven't, well, I haven't uh, watched it in a while. Frank's, um, Danny DeVito's character, Frank, frequently it's a running joke about him having hard-boiled eggs in his pockets. As it's oh, like that's a, great. One of his go-to snacks. And there's an episode where it's a major plot point, and he offers another character an egg. And he's like, may I offer you an egg in these trying times? <laughs> and when Luther offered the woman the egg, I just immediately in my head, I heard Danny DeVito's voice of, may I offer you an egg in these trying times? Oh, that's great. <laughs> Which I think that was exactly Luther's intention. I think so. I think so. Um, <laughs> that's great. When you said that, though, I was like, I was like, I, I was like, I don't remember him saying that, uh, you know. But then you explained the "it's always sunny" thing. It's also definitely like a meme that a couple of years ago was a meme that you'd see. I don't, oh, okay. I don't recall seeing that probably in a couple of years, but there was a time when Danny DeVito's character Frank dressed up as a taxi driver may i offer you an egg in these trying times was like a meme image that was going oh, around that's great oh man but, but then the old woman who luther offers the egg to drops it and it breaks and th this is what spurs his outburst is the woman dropping an egg and breaking it which okay. i don't think he has much love for chickens like He's not exactly kind to chickens. He's not like no. a chicken avenger. We'll get into that. Like, he mutilates a bunch of fucking chickens in this movie. Yeah, you know, now might be a good time to ask, because um, I couldn't tell, and maybe the research would have given it away. I have a feeling the answer is no, because uh, I don't. I couldn't imagine uh, Kaufman, a vegetarian, producing it if or, or distributing it if so. But are the animal deaths in this movie real? They are not real. Okay, because it was hard real. to tell, like, to be honest, some of the... the... The effects with the actual killing the chickens is actually really solid. Yeah. Uh, uh, the the first chicken murder, which we'll get to, is probably the most effective special effects in the entire movie. Yeah. Um, but no, no animals were actually harmed in uh, making yeah. this movie. They were all... Um, in fact, due to the... They actually had to import uh, chickens from Connecticut for their sets because the way they were doing the fake chickens and the uh the makeup and stuff i the director never explained exactly what he meant by this but the way the effect worked they could only do it with a chicken that was a dark color hmm. and in illinois where the where they were filming the only chickens they could find were white chickens so hmm. they had to import chickens from connecticut for Stunt this movie. chickens Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that way they would match the fake chickens that they had made up. And I don't know why they couldn't make fake white chickens, but it had something to do with the effect and how it worked. And they could only do it with uh, chickens that had um, – the fake chickens could only be done with dark feathers. So mm – -hmm. but no, there was actually a whole logistic thing over them being fake chickens that are harmed in the movie. That No actual real chickens were harmed. Well, that's good to know. Until they ended up slaughtered, it ended up on people's, you know, um, dinner tables. But yeah. that had nothing to do with this movie. That's just right. normal factory farming in the United States. Yes, so, and if if you would like was, our opinion was, on that, 
Check yeah, out our uh, last episode, Poultry Guys. Poultry Guys. That we're okay with as a society, but don't you dare hurt the chicken on screen. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, Luther, uh, to get away from, you know, the police who he went to... We didn't, even, we never even got to the thing that then he bites oh. a woman's neck. We didn't even get to that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So he uh, he bites the the old lady's neck out. Um, you know, uh, after uh, she drops the egg, you know that 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 got them all hashtag triggered. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and this is like another issue I have with this fucking movie. He bites their necks. So like the geek thing that the filmmaker is latching onto here is the old school thing of biting the head off an animal. He doesn't bite their heads off. He just bites their necks. And it's like, okay, cool. Like a human head is too large for another human to just bite off. But he also right. doesn't like really go at the throats. He just takes a bite and watches them. And key thing here, he doesn't fucking drink the blood. Mm. Yeah. Because the whole MO of the geek thing in this movie is the drinking of blood. And <laughs> he doesn't drink people's blood. After biting them in the neck, which, you know, would make sense with thematic sense with what he's doing to chickens and how he's inspired. But that, that yeah. doesn't happen. That's it's a total missed opportunity there. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. His uh, first murder after getting out of the slammer. Um sends him stowing away in the back of a car uh, that belongs to someone known only as Mrs. Lawson. We do not get a first name for this woman, do we? Um, I don't believe so. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I just looked at the, at least in the IMDB cast, uh, I uh, okay. don't think so. Oh, wait, no, that's probably Hillary. It's probably oh. Hillary Lawson. All righty. Um, well, uh, you know, um, unfortunately for everybody involved, she owns a chicken farm. Yes. Which uh, makes Luther go kill crazy. When she starts terrorizing the chickens. Which... Terrorizing in earnest, as uh, Dan says here on uh, Spectrum Culture. Which is when he picks up a chicken and bites the head off of it. And we do get a pretty decent gore effect with that. Like, we get some, like, stringy flash oh, yeah. blood splattering about. And um, I don't know. You watch this on Truman now, I assume? Yeah. I watch the uh, Blu-ray of this. And the Blu-ray I is out from Vinegar Syndrome. And I do have to say, Vinegar Syndrome did a fucking great job on the Blu-ray of this. The Blu-ray cool. looks fucking gorgeous. It is a very clean, bright, sharp image. It looks really great. Yeah. So I don't know how it looked on Troma now. Like what you know, it actually was. it actually looks pretty good. Like I have to say, like um, you know, uh, you know, uh, the, the quality of the story aside, like the the film looks really clean. Okay, so I w- I wonder if they probably have the uh, same uh, print. Uh, the remaster print that Vinegar Syndrome put out, because apparently um, Vinegar Syndrome and Troma have teamed up and are doing like joint releases, and that's Luther probably good keep... uh, for both parties, I would imagine. I, yeah. So um, I, uh, uh, the Luther the Geek Vinegar Syndrome DVD does open with the Troma logo and does have the Troma logo on it, and there's a whole series of Vinegar Syndrome uh, Troma. 
Blu-rays. And uh, but yeah, it looked it looked really gorgeous, and uh, the gore effects in this scene looked really phenomenal with the really crystal clear image. And so that's what I was like, oh, maybe I am going to get a decent gore film here. Because when he bites the lady's neck, it really wasn't that. Yeah, yeah. Um, though I, 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 so. I think this is like the actual highlight gore scene. Uh, I saw in other reviews people point to a later scene yeah. as being the highlight gore scene, but I actually don't agree. Um, I think this early in the movie, and it's also just okay. biting the head off a chicken, was the best gore of the entire movie. So, the next scene where he, like, goes into the house and starts stalking Mrs. Lawson, clucking like a chicken. Yep. I thought, you know what, this might actually be a pretty fucking good movie. Like, you know, um, (laughs) like, I was like, this is so weird. It kind of reminds me of uh, the killer in New York Ripper, uh, clucking like Donald Duck. Yeah, I know. It's like, we have to bring up New York Ripper in talking about this movie. Because, yeah, uh, another slasher movie with a um uh, a killer who communicates via a um bird noise yeah <laughs> and then yeah. uh new york ripper it's quacking like a duck and then this it's clucking like a chicken yeah uh. <laughs> <laughs> i know uh, but it was just so weird and unexpected like i, I just was like you know what that was that this this might actually be a lot of fun um, and, and this scene also gets a little rapey it does it does with a uh with a gun am i am i am i yeah. remembering correctly yeah yes yes um yes yeah uh, uh, he uh he she gets a the woman gets a gun and he manages to wrestle it from her and then when he knocks her to the ground he's like lifting up her uh dress with the barrel of a, it's, a, it's a rifle so he's he's a little bit away from her he's not like directly yeah. up close lifting up the dress with a um the barrel of the rifle and is very slowly like inching the barrel of the rifle straight to her uh uh genitals and it's uh it's not quite uh, yeah it's not quite the chainsaw sex scene from uh texas chainsaw 2 but uh no. you know i'll give him a b for effort and then he takes her and ties her up on that bed which yeah. I seriously thought I was like oh we're gonna this is gonna be a raping movie he's gonna start yeah. raping her which actually does not happen but no. I have to believe that that's what was like implied that he was going to do to her he's gonna do something uh, yeah. you know um, I don't he know why he didn't kill her right away which he does yeah. to everybody else he can yeah yeah um all right, where are we at here? Um, so while he has her tied down is when uh, it turns out that she is a mother and her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend show up on the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are kind of like our two main, actually our two main protagonists. I am so glad that the article we are following brings this up, but the uh, the boyfriend looks way fucking older than he's supposed to be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or uh, well, I, I actually I didn't know he was supposed to be like college age like uh but I knew he was like significantly older than uh than the girlfriend. He I does was like not look like a college age. No. No. And yeah. so and so this is a good place to bring up of like I kind of got a feeling 
in advance that this movie was not going to be a movie for me and that when I was looking up reviews of this movie in advance and doing some basic research before watching it, the one commonality between every review I could find, whether or not the person liked the movie or not, everyone commented on how spectacular the daughter's tits are in this movie. And in all fairness, they are pretty spectacular tits. However, that sends up a red flag to me when every review is mentioning one character's tits. And I'm like, this is what people are walking away from the movie, like, on their brain and what they're thinking about, whether or not they liked it. It's, well, there's there's tits in this movie. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, this movie's not going to have a lot else to it, is it? Yeah. We, um, the daughter and the boyfriend get in the house, and they don't realize that the mother's bound and gagged up in the uh, bedroom, and so they just kind of start going about things as, I guess, I guess they think the mom's out or something. Yeah, and, yeah, even though the, 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 the fucking door glass is broken. Oh, yeah, that's right. That should have been a good sign that something was wrong. Yeah, but, you know, despite that, they decide to just go upstairs and have sex. While her mother well, is no, tied up no, in the next room. No, they first first they uh, uh, they do a long shower scene. Like, Which I, again, this was another scene where I I did like because I laughed like when she like did the she like kind of <laughs> did the thing with the soap in his butt. Oh yeah, yeah. She like <laughs> quick quick uh, pokes him up his butt with the soap. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so we do get a copious amount of tits in this shot, in this scene, and also uh, man ass. Yeah, um, yeah. We don't really see her ass that very clo- like very well, but we see his ass really yes, well. Yes, we do. Yes, so, we do. So you know, the movie's trying to offer something for you know those that appreciate the male body, but um, I mean, he has a fine ass. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't really see many reviews noting his ass though, so people did not walk away thinking about his ass. As much as he walked away thinking uh, about her tits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder, wonder what that says about the demographic for this movie. <laughs> However, if you're curious, on the Blu-ray, um, they do have the behind-the-scenes uh, a feature of the shower scene. So in the Blu-ray, they do have every single frame of footage that was shot for the shower, shower scene. <laughs> and you do see his dick in that footage, which you don't see in the movie. So if you want to see his dick, listeners, you have to buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, so uh, get right on that, you uh, dick aficionados out there. Um, you, you will have to watch the Blu-ray, Blu-ray to find out if he was uh, controlling himself during the shoot. <laughs> oh, no, uh, this is like one of the few little fun things I did get from uh, the uh, the director's commentary, is that uh, apparently the actress, um, the director had issues with the actress. Uh, pretending to, or, you know, quote-unquote acting, to be acting attracted to the boyfriend character. And the actress did not find the actor who played the boyfriend attractive at all. Because he's old enough to be her father. Yeah, but wait a second, wait a second. (laughs) It's a fucking movie. She's an actress. You're supposed to act. Who cares if you're not attracted to it? Like, this is what you're hired to do. That's true. I, I don't think anybody that plays a significant other or somebody in every film ever is attracted to the person they're play, playing, but that's literally the fucking job. So yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was such a bizarre thing. 
And so how the director worked around that is apparently in the early shoots, they were having trouble coming across as a convincing relationship specifically because of the actress. And hmm. the director found out that both the actor and the actress were ticklish. So in order for them to fake intimacy with each other, he had them like tickle each other, which if you notice in all their playful scenes before everything goes to shit, they keep tickling each other. Oh, that's and that right. does come across on screen as like actual affection because that is something that like people in relationships do. You know, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, give somebody a little poke in the side or that's, that's what my significant other always does to me. It makes me jump and she, yeah, she finds that very amusing. So, <laughs> so, um, that is like a thing that couples do. And so that's how the director kind of faked that. And it does look well on screen. And that is some good directing and some good actor management on the uh, case of Carlton Albright, the director. However, I still have fucking criticisms with the actress over, like, just fucking act like you're attracted to him. It's your fucking job. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, I, just, I just, that's a side rant there, and I just thought that was, like, a really bizarre issue that they, that they had. Yeah. So, um... So, um, after, uh, after this, we, um... The movie's underway, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was like, what happens? Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Luther steals the uh, motorcycle, and that's what that's what really kicks off the yeah. entire rest of the movie. And uh, the boyfriend, uh, like, I don't think they ever actually had sex because Luther steals the motorcycle. They start to. They start, they start to. to. And, and he interrupts. Yeah. He interrupts by stealing the motorcycle, and the boyfriend throws on clothes and goes running off after luther and like luther fake crashes and plays dead yeah to to get the jump on the boyfriend which you know he also could have just by you know attacking them yeah hiding anywhere yeah Um, although i will say like when he knocks the boyfriend out with a helmet and cockadoodle doos i fucking died like i will say like that that did make me laugh pretty hard (laughs) <laughs> Jeff is shaking his head. Yeah, I'm like, I'm glad you were amused, Lucas. I'm glad you were amused. <laughs> I, I, it was at this point in the movie, I'm already starting to be like, what? Uh, I'm, 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 this is losing me. And then, yeah. what does Luther do after stealing, uh, after knocking out the boyfriend character? He steals his shoes. Yes. And he just leaves them, if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah, yeah. And um, we then also get, like, uh, cut to the uh, the farmhouse, and um, the daughter character uh, finds the mother all tied up in bed. Yeah. And that's when, it's, you know, piecing things together that, like, oh, shit, something's, something's going on here. Um, <laughs> and she, when Luther comes back, uh, the daughter hides underneath the bed, and um, oh man, I'm trying to remember the exact sequence of yeah. events. This is actually when our outline kind of actually falls apart a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so essentially, Luther ends up holding the whole family hostage. Yeah. So yeah, I guess he doesn't kill people straight away. Only to see old woman on the bench. Everyone else ends up like holding hostage. Well, you know, to be fair, that old lady dropped his egg, which wasn't a nice thing to do. But he bites the heads off of chickens. He's not a chicken <laughs> rights activist. That was our last movie. Oh, God, we did two chicken movies in a row. Oh, shit, that's crazy. That just now clicked in my head. I know. What the fuck? I No, that, that was weird. We did not do that on purpose at no, all. No, we definitely didn't. Um, we just knew that we were neglecting our, uh, what's, what's that gentleman's name again? I'm not Who sure. I'm not sure if I want to give him a shout out, considering I didn't like his recommendation. Oh shit, that's right. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, uh, fan of ours who wrote in the requested, but hey, if you request movies from us, there's no guarantee we're gonna like it. This is what that's you get. True. That's, that's true. That's what you get. Oh you, man. You get our unfiltered, honest opinion. Um. It is a visit from a police officer, uh, which... Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the police officer is basically going, uh, like, door-to-door amongst the town because of the murder, if I recall that correctly. Yeah. And so he's checking in on the farmhouse to see if there's anything uh, going on there. Um, I, what happens to the mother character during all this? Uh, the mother character? Yeah. Because, remember, when the policeman shows up, the Luther holds the boyfriend hostage with a knife, which yeah. is why the girlfriend goes out and essentially, like, um, and not that dissimilar to the remake of Mother's Day. I uh, was going to bring a, that up. Yeah. The home invasion scene with character being held hostage and another character being forced to interact with the police and yep. can't really uh, tell them that there's something wrong. She, though, does do things of, like, trying to invite the cop in. Because I remember, yeah. like, there's this point of, like, specifically, like, do you want to come in for a cup of coffee? Like, she's trying to get I'm on duty. To... Yeah. And, um, but, oh. like, where's the mother character during all this? At some point, she gets untied, but I don't really remember how or when or whatever. I, I, I got to be honest. I watched this twice, and this is around roughly both times when I started to, like, phase out a little bit. And yeah. I'm just like, I'm not exactly entirely sure what's going on, and I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the mother that survives until the end of the movie, right? It's not the daughter. Yeah, the mother is the final girl. Okay, yeah, it's the mother's the final girl. So, yeah. um, so it's uh, the mother is somewhere in, in this. Yeah. I feel like she... I feel like she, like, disappears for a chunk of the movie, and I'm not sure where she is or what she's doing. Yeah. Either that, or I just, like, my brain just was not registering characters as they entered and left the screen, because I just, I I just found this dull. <laughs> yeah, I no, that's fair. Dull. And, um... Like, I, I keep seeing all these things saying about, like, this is a gory movie. This is not a gory movie. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen way worse. But uh, there were, like I said, there were a lot of scenes that made me laugh um, as, you know, um, and. Well, there's also a scene with the hunter that happens at some point around now. Do you remember that? 
the hunter accidentally shoots the boyfriend. Oh yeah, that's right. In, some, in a horribly filmed scene, because he looks like his gun is pointed up in the air when he fires it, and then the boyfriend drops to the ground, clutching his stomach, where the gun blatantly was not aimed in that direction. I feel like this has happened in a few movies we've done. <laughs> I don't know why that just sounds really familiar. <laughs> yeah, but in the oh, oh because in um, uh, Cannibal the Musical and Father's Day, it was played for laughs. Yeah, About, and then like, in, oh, and then also in Rabbit Grannies, there was the 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 scene that doesn't make sense unless you see the uncut gore scene. Oh, with the guy that was uh, stuck in the uh, vent or whatever it was, or the coal chutes, I think it was, whatever. Yeah, 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 the guy that was stuck. And the axe when he gets thrown down the stairs or whatever. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that yeah. one. Oh, that scene. Yeah, yeah, there was also yeah. the axe. There was actually multiple scenes in Rabbit Grannies that don't make sense unless you see the uh, producer's cut. Yeah. Uh, I, liked, <laughs> I liked Rabbit Grannies better than this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So there was a scene with the hunter, and the boyfriend gets shot, which then has the boyfriend injured for, like, the rest of the movie, which is kind of explaining why he can't really fight back against Luther, because he's been gut shot. Yeah. And and we get another scene of Luther biting into the hunter's neck and tearing off and just lets him bleed out. And mm-hmm. I don't actually think the neck biting effects are very good in this movie. It- it's, you know, um, it's hard to make the same effect look good twice. And we get multiple, because uh, it's the only way that Luther kills anybody, is yeah. by biting them on the neck. Right, right. Except for the boyfriend. Because, remember, he gets his still-beating heart torn out, and we see the yes, after, it effects, does. after effects of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's right, that's when the... That's when the daughter also gets killed. Is yeah. Is is when we find the the we find both the boyfriend and the daughter's corpse. The mother finds. Yeah. Yep. And how does the cop actually get involved in everything and is under? The, and he changes the his mind about the coffee and comes back. Oh, okay. Okay. And, I was having a hard time remembering that. Yeah, but the girl who invited him in for coffee is dead by this point. Yes. And uh, so he has to run away with the mother instead, but they can't run away because Luther is apparently, uh, you know, um, smart and knows how to disable vehicles and uh, telephones and CB radios and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a trained police officer with a gun can take out a person who's been locked up in jail for 30 fucking years <laughs> and is armed Since only childhood. with metal... Listen, Sean, and is armed only with metal teeth. Yeah. He actually, like, gets rid of his guns. At, like, Luther keeps getting a gun in this movie and keeps leaving it because That's right. there's the mother's gun and then there's also the hunter's gun. These are two firearms that Luther Well, the mother's gun was out, of, was out of bullets. I don't remember why he abandons the hunter's gun, though. He just abandons it. It's just, it just left on the ground. Hmm. Weird. Um... And, yeah, so uh, I know a lot of people cite the boyfriend's death scene, which we don't actually see his death. We just see the after effects of it. Right. It's like the gore highlight of the movie, but I didn't think it looked that good. Like, yeah, his chest is all bitten up and his heart has been torn out so it's exposed and it's still beating. 
And so it's like he's in the process of dying, which a lot of people thought was like, you know, and things I looked up, like, you know, whoa, crazy gore scene. And I'm like, I don't think it looked that good. And in movies we've already covered on this show, there's been better gore scenes. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we now have, like, the cop has come back and uh, mm-hmm. the boyfriend and daughter have been killed. The daughter is essentially, like, how does she die? That wasn't clear to me either, to be honest. Um, yeah, she's just dead on the gr- That's all I remember. Is she's, like she's dead on the ground. She's laid out, and uh, there's this, the mother finds her, and then there's the second where you think she's alive, and she hugs her mother, and then she just dies. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really quite sure. Uh, there's somebody who watched this movie closer than we did who's like, how can you talk about this movie? You can't even tell us how like the daughter died. She died like this blank way. And I'm like, this movie wasn't worth worth it. <laughs> to, that, to that, I will say, make your own damn podcast. <laughs> well put. Yeah. Um, um, so, really, that, so, so then like the climax of the movie is the uh, cop hunting down Luther in the chicken coop, which I will give credit, has some really good lighting, some really good cinematography, some really good, like, technical filmmaking skill on display uh, in in this. So, like, uh, and the director um, credits that all to uh, the cinematographer, uh, David Knox, who is like behind the camera for the whole movie, and like okay. he does make the movie look um, really good. And I'm uh, pulling him up. He's actually gone on to have a very extensive uh, oh. film film career, uh, behind the scenes stuff. Like he's worked on um, he's worked on like the Captain America movies. Wow. He he's worked on. Um, uh, God, his his IMDb list is huge. He worked on Captain America movies. He worked on the Gotham TV series. He worked on the Daredevil TV series. Damn. Um, he, he like he's worked. He's he does like major mainstream. Uh, I mean that's not shocking because like I mean you know we're beating up on this movie a lot tonight, but uh, it it is incredibly well shot. And you want to know what his very first movie he worked on as assistant cameraman? What? The Toxic Avenger. No shit. Yep. Toxic Avenger. That's cool. Uh, that was where the uh, director um, got him from, was the director did have ties to, like, I'm not exactly sure what those ties were. I mean, obviously, Choma released his other movie, uh, The Children, and did release uh, Luther the Geek. Uh, so, like, Choma and uh, Carlton Albright have some sort of connection, but... Um, the director didn't really make it clear what exa- like how he's tied into the whole trauma uh, scene, but he did mm-hmm. get the uh, the guy his ca- camera operator. He got him specifically because he worked on the Toxic Avenger, and that yeah. was how that's how we knew of him. And another thing I will say about this movie is, uh, I don't know, man. Um, there it was it's interesting to see a uh, a home invasion movie from this era. I mean, this is a home invasion movie, and I mean, I don't really, I don't know. I mean, would you would you consider the original Halloween a home invasion movie? Because I think oh. this is as much a home invasion movie as like the original Halloween is a home invasion movie. Uh, 
I don't know, because Michael Myers is more or less, uh, I don't know, attacking the block more than anything. I mean, I guess that's true. But I feel like the second half, it's, admittedly it's been a while since I've seen the original Halloween. I feel like the second half of it all revolves around uh, one house, if I'm remembering it correctly. She runs back and forth between two houses. But okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's been a while since I've seen yeah. the original Halloween. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, no, I mean, I could see it, this being, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm not saying it was like the first home invasion thing or anything like that, but I oh, mean, no. it, 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 it feels out, um, it, it just feels like an outlier among, uh, you know, at the time it was made. Yeah, um. On the other hand, though, this does though also feel like very much '80s slasher to me. Yeah, and it reminds me of why I don't really like slasher movies. Um, and a lot of people are always surprised to find this out about myself that I identify as someone as a horror fanatic that does not like slasher movies. And people are always like, "Why don't you like slasher movies?" I'm like, it's an entire subgenre built around the concept of killers and death scenes that is normally not violent and normally not gory. Like, I, most slasher movies aren't that violent, aren't that gory by my standards. Like, <laughs> I guess when I got really excited, like when the torture porn was like a big mainstream thing for a while there. That's Those are some violent movies. That's some gory movies. Hell, even from the 80s, you had movies that were way more violent than what the vast majority of slasher films were putting out and way yeah. gorier than the vast majority i mean like like cronenberg for god's sake has been active well, for yeah. years by the time luther the geek is out like it's, it's not a bloody movie like the blob remake has already been released um street trash uh street trash hell yeah toxic avenger like there's a lot of other gorier flicks Mm-hmm. Are, I don't fuck most. I feel like most horror movies are gorier than this movie. This is really low in the gore and violence department. It is, yeah, it is weird to see like a lot, like how that seems to be the um, uh, response to this movie. Is a lot of people praise the gore when I was just like, I've seen better, I've seen worse. You know, I don't know, it just wasn't. It's it's very forgettable the gore yeah. and violence in this. Yeah. Um and and so then we have like the uh, the showdown in the uh, chicken coop which you get down that little tangent with uh oh with the cinematographer uh, which uh, we should say I, his name by the yeah, way I, like, I didn't say his name did I it was uh, no. David Knox David Knox David Knox he did say his name yeah. okay I did okay cool who's who's gone on to a very successful career in Hollywood like. He's one of those people that, like, uh, you know, we all look at, like, the who wrote it, who directed it, who starred in it. And sometimes in these movies, the people who were the most successful was, like, the guy operating the camera or the guy operating the boom mic. Because yep. they actually went on to Hollywood careers, whereas um, pretty much nobody else did other than the chick with spectacular tits. Uh, she, d- she did have a pseudo career, which we'll get into later. Um we should probably say her name too, because uh... uh, Stacy Hyduck. 
Okay. <laughs> if you tell anybody who's seen Luther the Geek, oh, you know Stacy Hyduck and Luther the Geek, they're just going to be like, no, or they're going to be like, do you mean the chick with the tits? And then you'll be like, yes, the chick with the tits. That's, that is <laughs> pretty much like most redeeming uh, fact. And that and the behind-the-scenes information, apparently she did not grasp the concept of acting. Ah, uh, yes. Remember. But... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. She needed to be tickled. <laughs> oh, man. I, I This is like another one of those episodes where I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry for anyone who worked on this who listens to this, except except for um, except for uh, David Knox. You did good, dude. You, you yeah. did your job well, and you had a successful career. Kudos to you. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Everyone else, I apologize for what I've said oh, about man. your hard work. Um, and um, so the, Luthar gets a, a jump on uh, the police officer by distracting him by throwing chickens in the air. Oh yeah, that's right. Remember, um, the, the police officer actually shoots one of the chickens out of the air, which special effect. No chickens are actually harmed. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my first thought was like, damn, that's a good shot. Yeah, yeah. Um. And then so Luther, then he Luther, bites, yeah, bites the neck off the cop, or takes the butt out of the cop, yeah. Um, and he's not drinking the blood, which, you know, once again, thematically would have made sense. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he finds Hillary huddled away, and uh, she, uh, she kind of tricks him by clucking at him. And there, there's, uh, a bit of a t- there's a little bit of a time jump. So because all of what we were just describing is happening in the middle of the night and the last scene hmm. of the movie is happening during the day. And oh, and were we supposed I, to understand that he was like searching for her for a while or something? No, I took something different from that. I took it that he already had. And this is all like this is me. um essentially putting pieces together that weren't shown on screen. But from what mm. I took of it was that at some point he then gets his hand on uh, the mother character, Hillary, and he's locked her in the chicken coop with the chickens. Oh, okay. And he's keeping her in the coop with the chickens. That was what I took happened there. Okay. That he's like holding her hostage for some reason. Gotcha. And, but that also doesn't completely work because we then find out that she has a gun hidden, the rifle hidden on her. Yeah. Yeah, I got, yeah. Weird. And she's not hiding when he comes in the chicken coop in the last scene, which she's in. She's not attempting to hide from him. Yeah, that's if true. Remember that. She's just she's, like there. She's like, she's like catatonic, uh, basically leaned up against, sitting on the ground, leaned up against the wall, and she's watching him come in and collect chickens, which he tosses in a sack, which I guess, you know, implying that he's going to go and eat the, bite the heads off the chicken and drink their blood for breakfast or something. Um, (laughs) And so she clucks at him, which gets his attention, and he gets all happy, and Oh, it really made me, like, roll my eyes. And he's, he has, like, his happy chicken dance he does in the end. I don't know how else to describe it. 
All right, so I lost my internet when you said she clucks at him. Oh, okay. You're back now. Yeah. Yeah, we are back now. So, yeah, she clucks at him, which... Okay, another edit. Yeah. Yeah. So, she clucks at him, and then he does, like, his happy chicken dance. It's, like, the only way I can describe it. He kind of has (laughs) his arms on his side a little bit, like, uh, like chicken wings and he's kind of like moving his arms back and forth unfortunately this is an audio medium because i'm doing my best like happy luther the geek happy chicken dance for lucas right now the jog his memory <laughs> and then he's clucking and then reveals that she has a rifle like i guess she's sitting on it or like she's blocking it with her body or something but she has the rifle and then she mm-hmm. shoots him and yeah and that's all credits the, that's the end of the movie yeah. Um, oh man! All right. So, what do we know about uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, production of this film? Well, um, yeah. it had a budget for around four hundred thousand um, dollars. Okay. So it's actually a bit of a larger budget compared to some of the other movies we've uh, talked about on this show. Hmm. Yeah. This, this yeah. has a this has a little bit more money behind it. Um. The production from, like, listening to the director's commentary, the it, it was just, you know, like, low-budget production. Uh, went on for five weeks. Um, it was shot at location at the director's mother-in-law's farm that she owned. Um, the, the director thought that this was actually going to be a big hit mainstream movie, and, in fact, he almost had a... Um, a wide distribution deal set up for this movie, but he turned it down because he thought the bid money was too low and he thought somebody would offer him more money, which no one ever did. And so the movie never got widespread distribution. And the director did credit that as one of his worst business decisions he's ever made. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, sometimes you just gotta... Take the deal, you know? <laughs> and uh, the um, head of special effects, actually, and special effects makeup, actually walked off the movie near the very end of the shoot and oh, asked for his name to be taken off the movie, that he was very unhappy with the movie they were making and uh, thought that um, uh, essentially it was beneath his skill level and ability. And that, and you know, the director was really pissed off at him. Uh, the director never worked on a movie after this. That special effects artist who walked off on IMDb has credits for around over 600 other movies he's worked on. Holy shit. Yes. Working in uh, special effects, makeup, and his specific thing that he specialized in since the mid-90s is weapons handler. Because on um, uh, big mainstream film shoots, they always have a person who's in charge of any sort of firearms. It's a safety thing. And right. that's what this guy specializes in is like firearm safety on film sets. Cool. The exact term for it is master armorer, which I did not know before researching this episode. I did not know until you told me. Uh, and what is this gentleman's name? Oh, I'm sorry. Mike... Tristano, Tristano, okay. um, T, Mike, obviously Mike, and then um, 
P-R-I-S-T-A-N-O. Yeah, I think you pronounced it right. But um, I'm sorry, Mike. I know you wanted your name off this movie, and we've just now associated you with oh, this movie. That was my bad. Oh, geez. All right. Well, you know what? I think uh, between the 600 other movies he's been involved in, I think he'll be okay. Yeah, I think I think he's fine. But I found that very funny uh, that he walked off this movie and ended up, uh, you know, being arguably maybe the most successful person in the film industry uh, that was associated with this. I mean, like it's it's no joke. It's around six hundred credits on this IMDb. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Oh, he also did special effects makeup on Star Trek: The Next Generation, a triple oh, cool. X. No, wait. A triple X parody. Oh. So there's a 2011 right. Star Trek The Next Generation porn, which this guy apparently did special effects on, and I almost guarantee you I have fucking seen it. I almost feel <laughs> like 2011 is like 20 years too late to do a Next Generation porn it's, it's parody. Completely it is completely 20 years too late, but <laughs> he worked on it. Good oh, for man. him. Yeah, good, good for, for him. him. Good for him. Um, uh, did he do anything as big as the, uh, the cinematographer did like with Captain America or? Oh shit. Yeah. I mean, he worked on the Saw movies handling, um, the, the weapons. Um, actually, I just actually closed his, uh, closed his IMDB, but so he, he's, lots of mainstream he's worked on stuff main, as well. Yes. Mainstream stuff. Mainstream of okay. mainstream stuff. Uh, well, so the, hey, you know that's uh, that's two uh, two successful people from this movie, so that's that's cool. And then uh, <laughs> the chick with the tits, Stacy Highduck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, her tits is what. If you look up anything about this movie, the most common things you'll see people writing about are that her tits are spectacular which I agree with, and that the movie has great gore and violence, which I disagree with. So, <laughs> but uh, she, she did continue to act. In fact, she still um, acts to this day. She's apparently a, um, uh, a character on Days of Our Lives. She's Holy been shit. on for 11 years. She's still on the show. She was also on uh, The Young and the Restless for uh, seven years. Though, the uh, deep that I like from uh, from her uh, filmography is she was one of the main characters in um, Sequest uh, Sequest uh, oh no not Sequest uh, fuck what's it DSV? DSV yeah she was in Sequest 2032 the oh, spinoff cool. of Sequest DSV cool she was also apparently in some Superboy TV show, which I do not remember. Huh. Um, oh, she was also a reoccurring character on Miller's Place, if you remember that. So she yeah. went on to a lot of uh, mainstream TV. Uh, I was going to say, like, you, you know, you mentioned those two soap operas. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, she's got kind of a, like, her face, for whatever reason, just she looks like a soap opera actress for some reason to me. I don't know and why. That's essentially what she did for uh, most of her career. That she she has had a rather successful uh, career. So we actually have actually had a, a bunch Three. of people uh, mm. actually have some pretty successful careers from this movie. And 
I'm uh, trying to find, there's also another little connection here that's actually going to kind of like uh, blow your mind once I can pull up the uh, uh, correct person for it. Um, so did, did you find anything in researching this movie while, while I try to find this, this one name? Not really, man. Uh, not nothing that you haven't already gone over. Um, but uh, you said her name is uh, Stacy Hayduck. Yes. Okay. And um, like you said, the uh, director who did this, uh, the guy who wrote and directed this, also wrote uh, the children, which I have not seen that, and. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen. I was looking at some reviews of the children. A lot of people consider the uh, children one of Troma's better, uh, more serious movies. And oh, so I'm cool. like, okay, that's uh, so, that's something interesting. That might be something to uh, work look forward to. Um, fuck, why can't I find this? So I'm just going to uh, t- tell you this, uh, and I'm trying to find the fucking name of who, which person it was, and I found it yesterday and unfortunately i think i accidentally closed the imdb listing of it one of the people who uh worked on luthar the geek also was one of the people who was instrumental in creating law and order svu oh wow tied back to our mother's day episode that's right that's right because the guy who wrote mother's day created law and order svu Yep, and he worked with in that beginning developing it. He worked with one of the people who worked on Luthar the Geek, and mm. I cannot find which person that is right now. Fuck, fuck, people! You have to believe me. I know I can't prove it at this moment, but you have to believe me. I did find a Law and Order SVU connection on the cast, and I was like, "Holy shit, Law and Order SVU came back up!" Man. It, um, fuck. I can't find it at this exact moment. This might be something we, we've said before that we want to do, like, an episode that we can eventually, like, revisit some of these movies with, like, stuff we forgot to talk about or little detail pieces connecting it to other stuff that we learned. Uh, yeah. Later. And so this may just have to be something we um, step back from because I cannot find. Oh, oh. Here it is. I think I found him. Uh, okay. David Platt. Uh, okay. Here he was. Uh, he was for Luther the Geek. He was one of the producers. Oh, I, I am waiting for IMDb to uh, fucking load up his page right now. I don't know why it's not wanting to load up. Curses, curses you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was um. Uh, Yep, David Platt. David Platt, co-executive producer of Law & Order Special SVU. And the guy who wrote um, Mother's Day was executive producer. Oh, that's amazing. So in other words, like his assistant. That's so funny. Isn't that, isn't that bizarre? Yeah. Oh, sorry. He also uh, was a director for 54 episodes of SVU. My God. So um, that is 
everything. Oh, also, he directed two episodes of the TV show Agent Carter. So another actual Marvel connection from. Oh, weird! Isn't that odd that there's multiple people in this movie who went on to work on Marvel projects? That is really, really weird. You I mean, never it's like, guessed it. Yeah, this movie's got like a, I don't know, and you know, for for all its faults, we've got all these cool like connections you know from people who worked on this movie so that's cool you know and um like that that was what i discovered just by kind of doing a deep dive into the imdb of pretty much everybody that had a uh imdb uh listing for that worked on this because there's also a lot of people who don't really have imdb listings or if you do and you click on them the only thing credited is luther the geek Oh, pretty much everyone that worked on behind the scenes were all film students at um, a local college who were getting credits. That's right. I who were getting I, credits for working on this. I saw that in the uh, the special thanks um, in the credits. Yeah. Which um, uh, uh, one of the one of the writers, I, I believe, not not one of the writers because um, uh, it was written by uh, Carlton Albright. Uh, he, he actually went to the University of Iowa's writing program, the writing workshop program, which have you ever heard of that? Mm-mm. It's a rather prestigious program. Um, I'm probably getting the name of it wrong, but the really notable thing of it, his instructor for when he went there was fucking Kurt Vonnegut. What? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. He learned to write under Kurt Vonnegut, and nothing about Kurt Vonnegut rubbed off onto the script of this movie at all. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Wow, that is a... That is... That's so weird. <laughs> so, that's everything I was... I, I that's, that's really it. I don't have anything more I was able to dig up on Luther the Geek, but I am a little bit proud of myself of all that I did manage to find. Yeah, no, you did... Did a great job there. I am definitely, uh, yeah, definitely God proud of your your researching skills. This, this fucking show making me like I probably just spent more time researching fucking Luther Geek than anybody has in like twenty fucking years. <laughs> Maybe ever. Well, for, we're we're no, setting no, all kinds of records here. I mean, no, you know what? I actually bet you the people that worked on the Blu-ray release actually did more work than me. I, okay, yeah. I. I bet Shout you out I vinegar more, syndrome. I, I bet you I did more work in the past twenty years than anyone not associated with vinegar syndrome has done on this movie. Yep. Oh, fuck. All right. So, um, there's actually bizarrely enough, even though this movie came out in the late eighties, there's mm-hmm. no write up on it in uh uh all I need to know about filmmaking. I learned about the Toxic Avenger. And that was because Troma didn't actually acquire the distribution rights of it until 2005. Really? Yes. So I, the, the, the company that distributed it before, don't know what exactly happened. Okay, see, this could actually have been something interesting, but I didn't bother to look into it. Whoever distributed it before, it was a, a, a pair, it was two brothers who owned this film distribution company based out of Florida, I believe it was. And um, they're currently in jail for seven to ten years for, like, fraud or something like that. Jesus Christ. And so when that happened, their whole legal things happened, they lost the rights to their films, which 
went back to the um, the director, writer director uh, Carlton Albright, and then he got the uh, distribution release in the mid two thousands from Trauma. Yeah, man, that's oh. crazy. I feel like exhausted after this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, I. I don't think we need to say whether we recommend it or not because I think it's obvious. <laughs> I do not recommend this. Even like yeah. when I said, like the only way I could see this movie working is late night at a film festival surrounded by other ner- horror nerds. And you've been like lubricated with like some alcohol and weed. Um, but even in that scenario, if I was programming the film festival, I'd pick a better fucking movie than this one. Yeah. I, um, What's your takeaway from this? What's your I, final thoughts? Do you recommend this? No, no, I would, I, I wouldn't. Um, it has, it has some moments that I really enjoyed, but I, uh, overall, it was, I was not into it. Um, I don't know if you can find, uh, if you can find like some clips, you know, like maybe a best of compilation, I'd watch those, but uh. I don't think it'd be a very long video if you did. Oh, man. Like, I also watched the movie. I watched the trailer for this movie. And the trailer all focuses on the concept of what a circus slash sideshow geek is. And it's yeah. almost entirely composed of scenes from the opening of the movie. And oh. it's like the trailer is like directly lying to you, making it seem like it's going to be like this circus sideshow themed gore flick when it's not at all. Yeah, so like, and that's a like, bummer because that could have been interesting. I would have liked to have seen that, and like as it stands, I I wouldn't even suggest this. Like, we both also did not recommend um, Surf Nazis Surf Must Nazis. Die, but yeah. we did be like, there's a really great idea here, and this could actually make a really cool remake. Like, th- like there's actually something here. This movie just isn't it. Yeah. I don't even think there's like really a good idea here, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't volunteer this for a remake. Like, it's like it, I I I don't know. The director really thought that this was judging from his commentary. The director really thought that this was going to be like his like big breakout uh, horror flick. And I'm like, I I don't see it. I don't know whatever made him think that. Yeah, I I'm not really sure either. Um... But, you know, uh, it seems like a lot of people like it. I mean, this is our first fan request. Yeah. So, I mean. So there's people that do like this movie. And like, if, like I said, looking it up online, you will find lots of people on like, on like horror websites, on like cult film websites and that, that give this film a good review. And this has mm-hmm. like, it's just like a, um, I hate the term. But it's kind of a guilty pleasure for a lot of people that people realize it's not a very good movie, but it still speaks to them. Um, I wish it did to me, but it did not. It did yeah. not at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. Um, I did have moments, like I said at the beginning of the episode, where it just felt like a roller coaster to me, but not a good one. Like It was like there were moments where I had like these good moments where I was like, oh, my God, this is going to be good. Oh, no, no, this is not good. You know. It, but, it just 
falls in this problem of it gets really monotonous. Yeah. That like it feels like it's eighty minutes long, but it feels so much longer. And it's because like the last sixty minutes or so is all in the farmhouse and it's just essentially the exact same thing happening again and again and again of Luther just keeps trapping people and holding them hostage. And yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't... I did not see the appeal of this movie and it, it felt really monotonous. Yeah, it felt really monotonous to me. Yeah, for real. Um, so... What are we doing next week? I don't know. I, I hope it's better. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So what? So what should we do next week? Um, I actually uh, have to look up what the movie's called because we kind of decided this already, did we not? The New Guardians. It's not the New Gladiators. New, new Gladiators. I mean, the New Gladiators. Yeah. Okay. It also goes by a different name. It does. Uh, so while you look up the um, other name of it, why don't you explain to people why we actually have a movie pre-picked out for next week? Yeah, so um, the movie we're doing is directed by Lucio Fulci. Yes! Um, Fulci yes. lives! Godfather of Gore, um, maker Fuck of yeah. these wonderful uh, kind of um, super atmospheric, super gory um I hesitate to call them zombie films, though they do have zombies in them. Sort of. Um, yeah. It's like yes and no. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of his work. And um, myself and uh, and an author, uh, Wesley Southard, who wrote um, – uh, one for the road, which was uh, which won a Splatterpunk Award uh, last I, year, I, I published, believe. I, I, yes, it did. I published that book. Yeah, and Jeff published it. Uh, so he and I got together, uh, me and Wesley, and we wrote a uh, a tribute to Lucio Fulci. Um, it's a novel called The Final Gate, um, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of. Presented as if as a uh, as a lost Fulci movie, only in book form. Um, mainly modeled after his uh, Gates to Hell movies like City of the Living Dead and um, The Beyond and House by the Cemetery. Um, and yeah, that comes out on August third. Now I have got this, you know. Uh, nifty podcast that I do with Jeff here, and uh, it turns out that Troma distributed a Lucio Fulci film yes. called, yeah, called The New Gladiators. Also known as Warriors of the Year 2072. Oh, which I think is a much better title. Yeah, that's actually, um, that's pretty, I like Warriors of the Year 2072. So for yeah. anyone listening to this, if you actually search for New Gladiators or Warriors of the Year 2072. They're the same movie, just different titles. Uh, I'm yeah. sure we'll be going into the episode about the different titles when it comes to Lu- Lucio Fulci's films and like um, all Italian movies. Yes, pretty much like all Italian yeah. movies. <laughs> and um, if you, it also pops up on various websites and streaming services and stuff as both titles. So. Yeah. If you see New Gladi- if you can find New Gladiators, which is the title Troma released it under, or Warriors of the Year 2072, it is the same movie, and that's the movie we will be discussing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, I actually should check right now and make sure it's on Troma now. <laughs> I, I believe it is. I was pretty sure I, I checked it because I might having, be having to get a Troma now subscription finally for the new gladiators. Because, yeah, there it is. Yep. Because I've been unable to, uh, uh, find like a, uh, physical, the DVD of it is really like, long out of print. Um, and now it, isn't Severin, uh, Severin releasing, uh, or, or maybe, maybe it's vinegar syndrome doing, a doing a new, a new Blu-ray of it. Um, soon of, the, of this, Oh, I, I, if, I if, believe if they so. are, if they are, I have, uh, no idea. <laughs> I, I have no idea. So uh, maybe we'll be finding that we'll be finding that out for next week. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like somebody told me that. I thought it was you, but maybe it was actually Wesley. Definitely, um, definitely wasn't me. I see uh, Warriors of the Year 2072 Blu-ray is a uh, one of the prompted searches when you type it into Google. Oh, it was uh, Severin. Severin. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it is out or not yet. Yeah. Uh, because I was searching for the title New Gladiators before when I was trying to find it, since that was the trauma, uh, okay. title. And, you know, it honestly didn't really even occur to me that, uh, much to search for it under the other title. Um, oh, holy fuck, it came out the end of June. Oh, It just wow. came out. No shit. It just came out. So I am going to have to look into that over what is in that uh, Blu-ray over if that's something I need to acquire for our episode. Yeah. Uh, so I got to look into that real quick here. But okay. yeah, so yeah, so Severin just released, just released like, fuck, less than a month ago. About when this episode airs, it'll be about a full month ago. Uh, mm. The Blu-ray, so we're surprisingly timely over over this. Yeah, also, look at that. Also, correspond. Wait, we get a lot of synchronicity on this show already. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good thing you're a chaos magician, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it has, it has a uh, it has an old interview with Lucio Fulci and the special features. Um, cool. Of course, Fulci's dead, so it has to be an old interview. Um, it has some interviews with some of the uh, actors, an interview with the screenwriter, an interview with the cinematographer. Oh, oh is it uh, Dardano Sacchetti, the screenwriter? Yes, it is. Yes. Oh, yes. So he also wrote most of those uh, Gate to Hell movies. No shit. As, as well as Zombies. Uh, as well as Zombie. Oh, as shit. As well as Argento's Demons. Oh, shit. Yeah, like he, he's, he's written like a hundred movies and a lot of them are big he also wrote uh amityville 2 which is my favorite of that series um i don't know if i've seen the second one. Oh, it's bananas dude it's i can't believe it got a wide release in america like it's really dark <laughs> and, and it also has an see i actually may have to get this because it also has an audio commentary with mondo digitals nathaniel thompson and troy horeth author of splattered visions lucio fulci and his films cool. so i may need to uh order this from severin for our episode to do the full research on it but especially knowing that uh the was written by the guy who uh did 
did a lot of those other movies I fucking love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This makes me uh, pretty excited. Awesome. Awesome. And in case no one can tell, I have not seen this yet. So. Yeah, I I don't think I have either. Um, I've seen a lot of Fulci movies, but I don't I don't think I've seen this one. I, I can't even really say I've seen a lot of Fulci movies. I've seen all of his horror movies. I've seen the big ones, yeah, the big horror yeah. movies. I've seen a couple of his westerns, um, and I saw yeah. Conquest, which is his fantasy movie. Okay. We we should save this for we should save this for next week. Yeah 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 yeah. My bad. Because because this will also be fun because this will also be our episode that gives us an opportunity to talk about Lucio Fulci and how fucking awesome he is. Hell yeah hell yeah. Okay so that's good. I think I think I'm looking forward to next week after this fucking abomination. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what do we what do we got to shout out for this week? We like doing our uh, plugs here. Yeah, so um, I uh, I've been getting into this YouTube channel. Um, they go by the name of Shuki or Shuki. Um, they uh, basically do these deep dives on um, something called liminal spaces, um, and they do these yeah like uh, which What's are this? like so liminal spaces are like. Um, places like abandoned uh playgrounds um or like hotel hallways or abandoned malls or like old libraries just like um like the actual definition is like you know um a place uh of uh like transition or like um a place where you expect something to happen and it's just like these weird like i don't know it's just these weird places that are like familiar and have kind of an energy about them but um yeah what's this youtube channel like that so he just um yeah he'll just he'll basically like uh basically just like kind of explore these images of the of these places and like talk about like what's interesting about them and like how um and you know how he's like uh, kind of come across the, this uh, this little phenomenon um, online, yeah. So, um, okay, that sounds that's intriguing. That's, yeah, that's definitely a different recommendation there. Yeah, it's been a weird current obsession, I guess. Um, so I came prep for uh, my shout out, which is actually another youtube channel as well i wanted to give a shout out to one of my favorite horror uh youtube channels that seems like a lot of people aren't willing to know yet but are catching on to them cinema's underbelly which Uh. yes which run by um uh jonathan doe is his name uh he's also a uh filmmaker and this is a guy that he does uh, reviews of the worst of the worst of the most graphic content. And yeah. I will, I, I also have to rec- recommend this channel with a warning attached to it that his stuff goes into a lot of um, essentially fetish uh, review, reviews of really, really dark fetish material. So mm-hmm. we're talking things with like, sexual violence we're talking things with like vomit fetish um it is the now he of course because it's youtube with all the youtube uh uh restrictions 
it uh, doesn't actually show you the things from these movies. Right. But if you have a morbid curiosity, such as like I do, and are interested <laughs> in learning about the absolute worst of the worst of the most vile content out there, this guy does a really excellent job of doing um, short little reviews on the, the most vile movies ever made. And uh, I'm, like, I'm not even sure if some of the stuff you can fully classify as movies, like most vile video uh, projects ever yeah. made. And yeah. his channel did legitimately almost make me vomit on one of his episodes that he described what's going on in the scene and they showed a still frame of it. And if you just saw the still frame without any context, it would mean nothing to you. You wouldn't think anything of it. But once you had the context, I swear to God, I started like dry heaving. I almost threw up at knowing what was Damn. being depicted and then seeing on the screen. I was like, oh, that's that's a bit much for me. Um, so, yeah, Cinema's Underbelly. If you're really fucked up and have really dark interests, it's, it's a pretty must-watch channel. I really dig yeah, it. That's the kind of thing they tag as what not, NSFL, not safe for life. <laughs> Definitely not safe for life. Definitely not safe for life. I mean, like, so, like I said, like if you have like any sensitivities, well, for one, I'm not sure why you're listening to our show. Two, if you have any sensitivities, oh, do not watch his channel. Do not fucking watch his channel because it, like, you won't see anything, but it will put stuff in your brain that you will not be able to get yeah. out of your fucking brain. Yeah, he's good at, um, yeah, getting things across without showing it completely. Yes, <laughs> yes. Like oh, there was, um, did, did you see the uh, extreme horror um, iceberg I meme did. that went around? Yeah, for anyone that not, doesn't know what I'm talking about, there's like this like thing of like iceberg memes with the idea of like, you know, like an iceberg, only part of it is actually um, above water and that most of the iceberg is actually beneath water. So there's a thing now of like various genres, various interests of doing the iceberg of it, that as you go down and get deeper into something, what's like the lowest levels of getting into it. And it can be like most underground. And somebody made actually, I think a really good one for extreme horror. And, you know, it starts at the top of what the average moviegoer thinks is an extreme horror movie. Yeah. And then it goes down to the very bottom, which quite frankly, the very bottom section had a lot of things I personally had never even heard of yeah, before. Same. And this guy, some is under, Belly reviews the things that are on the bottom couple levels of this iceberg. Holy shit. I thought some of them were like things that you can't even see because it's illegal. He's gone over some of them on his YouTube channel. Oh, man. Yes. That's, wow. Yes. Yeah. He's gone over some of those things. So, like I said, this is for the hardest of the hardcore, super morbid, fucked up interests. But, hey, that uh, describes me. <laughs> so that's oh, my shout-out. Cinema's Underbelly. Hell yeah. All right. Um, well, then, yeah, uh, we will see everyone next week for Warriors of 2072. I think we're going to call it that um, instead of New Gladiators. It's, a, it's um, a better title, and it's also what the newest Blu-ray release is. And so that's how people are probably going to be able to find it. Yeah, that might actually. I wonder if that's the um, the real title. You know, you know how like some of these yeah. would 
Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we're going to find out next week. We'll find out. Um, all right. Uh, then until, until then y'all, uh, you know, uh, don't, don't bite the heads off any chickens, I guess. Only do it in factory farm scenarios.